Second breath is your second. It's uh, the other one. The reason why I like it is because the Ren There's no bit of evil. They understand. Twenty-five years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Deep Dive with Twenty-Five. Hey everybody, welcome back to Deep Dive with 25, brought to you by 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Reviews, it's now aware of the apocalypse, but guys, I named the company 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade on purpose. I love it. And it's what you know us at. So, of course, I, of course, here in Deep Dive and Bob, and I'm accompanied by Chris. Hey everyone. Now, technically, we would have others on here, but we're going to stay tried and true with me and Chris as being the go-to host, co-host. Uh, for Deep Dive, in uh, particular, because we're dealing with uh, Kinder of the East. And here in part two, well, let's go over, we caught you up in part one so you know the difference. Part one, we went over an overview. We kind of pointed out the uh, the approach a lot of people take to the book. You crack the book, you're looking at the pages, what are some of the terms, the points, the reasoning, what are uh, considered the Kwaijin or the Kinder of the East, what's that about, what are the differences between them and Western vampires? Well, we deliberately stopped at a good point because we wanted to start off the bat because uh, Chris here felt the same thing I did. Chris, DJ, I will interchangeably call him the, between those two names, right? I apologize. I almost called you DJ for no reason, so. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to do it now. DJ, when it comes to what we should read and what we should look movie-wise, what they recommend, you noticed something. And, and I, I think did. it definitely reflected what I felt. Can you give a little more on that? So... Once again, folks, the reason why you're listening to us is because you want to see how you'd be able to apply these books, especially how we would apply these books. When you're looking at the suggested resources, and especially the books as well as the movies that they're having you go through, you start to notice something that definitely draws the attention. Some of these just don't make any sense. Um, and why I say that is because you'll have them come up, and if you take a look at the list, for those of you who have the book in there, you'll see where some of it just ends up being something like, shall we dance? Japanese film, a lighter version of Japanese culture meeting Western entertainment, funny and enlightening. And yet stuff like this is kind of what detracts from you trying to set the mood for how you create characters. It isn't done in Vampire the Masquerade. It isn't done in Werewolf the Apocalypse. And so looking at this, what I could definitely say is anything that has something that just sounds witty and or it seems like it's just trying to capture your attention for either shock factor or, or whatever the case may be there, because I'm at a loss of words there, I would say just cut out automatically. Can we can we start off the bat with books to, to highlight what you're talking about here, Chris? Because it says one of the books, the number one, in fact, is by Benjamin Hoff. It's called The Tao of Pooh. It may seem like a strange source book for vampire, but Hoff's explanation of Taoism made easy is fun and, and read and, and accessible as hell is what they refer to. Like it was just the easy version, right? Um, the Tay of Piglet is another one that's out. Cute book. Cute. I don't think cute. Is, it, it, to me, it feels like if you read a child book about the West, right? Horton, Horton here's a, a president or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how no, you right. do it? It's it's almost like, hey guys, we didn't. I don't want I don't want to paint that picture. We'll go down that road. I'm just going to state flat out that I don't think you should refer to that. That book was written to help people understand, or I thought it was to help children understand that book. And maybe parents go over it with them to help break down a complicated term or something you didn't quite understand. I myself own the book. I've read the book. And uh, it, was, uh, it was given as a gift. And someone thought I might like it. But it definitely didn't help me understand Taoism in a, in a profound manner other than to understand what they were getting at according to the book. Does that make sense? It does. 
So, it, but it totally does. But reading Kindred of the East, I'm like, this, this didn't. It just baffled me, right? Okay, all right. Know what you're thinking? Well, Bob, that okay, fine. That's obviously it's. Uh, you, you don't get the whole bridge the gap. Maybe you should have stuck with the original book, and you're correct. If you're thinking that, yes, I'm just saying it was odd to be the first one. Then they have another one, Miyamoto Musashi's uh, The Book of Five Rings. It's a brief guide to winning, as they put it, samurai style. And off the bat, off the bat, whoever wrote this, I feel, is again doing a disservice. So we just went over how Kindred of the East, where it may have, it, it's definitely an Eastern feel. It's almost dominantly uh, from a Chinese perspective for a lot of it. Right? There's a lot of Chinese culture that's in it, but then it mixes in where you see some hints of... Uh, um, Thailand, you'll see hints of, uh, trying to think of all the other things. What's that? Japan, India, Indonesia, Cambodia. But when you go through Miyamoto Musashi's Book of the Five Rings and you're reading this, looking to get some insights into how to play in this world, um, playing a samurai in a kindred of the East never felt right at all. Because it doesn't, the courts, the systems, the, the way, even the missions you go on, it's like you may be a part of an organization kind of fitting that in like, let's say, Henge Yokai where you actually serve as part of the samurai, because, you know, the, the Shadow Lords have their mm-hmm. version, and are definitely there, and you'll get in that Lord relationship and what that's like. If, if a samurai is to serve, and that's the point, and Miyamoto Musashi is a unique character, to say the least, and you're reading the Book of the Five Rings, it's like, we'll get an insight. But then they go further to say, well, at the very least, this book was bought because it's Eastern thought by American businessmen during the Reagan era. Now... It's not translating to modern times. I had this book when it came out. This was one of the reasons this book sat on my shelf for so long and I never played it. Because to me, the message is off. It's distinctly off. It's one thing to list these books and kind of say there's tidbits relating to what we were what, what, what is in this book. You'll find them here. It's another thing to have this kind of color commentary to go with it. Hey, you should get this book because American businessmen, it's good for the Reagan era. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's not, it's not why I'm into it. However, that's, that's again, my opinion. Now, what do you think, DJ? Was there one that you found that was like, huh? It's not so much hot as much as it is what they're trying to get across with these books, right? So if I jump to the movies and looking at the book section alone, they're trying to get you into the spirituality or some sort of center of where you should put your character. And I think that they're way too much of a broad stroke especially for those of you trying to get into the game itself. I think it's unfair for for them to ask you to read this at this moment in time because there are other tenets that are being brought that might directly conflict with that, such as the dharmas that we speak about later on. And that's exactly what I'm pointing to is, uh, well, one of the many, right? On one end, I'm not one to gauge if it's offensive. I honestly feel that anybody could take offense of anything and it's their choice. I don't feel it's offensive as much as it is. It's it's obscuring the point, which which is what you've been saying. Um, when it gets down to, uh, like, for instance, uh, Sun Tzu and the Art of War, I have no idea what the great Sun Tzu uh, in the book that he made is going to help any player or purchaser of this book understand the Cathayan mindset they're trying to hammer down any different than anything else because you're trying to get down a culture, you're trying to get down the world they want you to be in, now you're getting down that you're not a vampire, not as we understood it, and you're not a werewolf either, but yet you're a mix between the two, yet you're not. There's already a confusing dance you're going through, yet they want you to, or they recommend to check out these books to get a better piece of the pie. I own that book. I've read that book. It gave me no insight to understanding it. They say it competes with uh, Machiavelli. Like, you know, the the prince is what they're relating to right here. It says that that's, that's going to help them out. 
and in the book that he had. And I'm like, ah, I read The Prince. <laughs> I read it. I listened to it. Um, where The Prince does help in Vampire the Masquerade, and they're saying they're high level of politics, that it, or what politics can be. High level, it doesn't have to be. It could be as simple as, hey, I'm here, smash your face, I'm Prince. It doesn't have to be complex. It can be, and they want it to be. However, when I look at this, there's a lot of wisdom and skullduggery and trickery and manipulation and how about obligation that goes into what the Kindred of the East consider politics. That right there, obligation alone, is a concept that is foreign uh, to Western mindset. That I would not oppose my Lord because that's I gave him my oath. My family did. And because of that, we are still bound. And the fact that we're immortal doesn't let us off the hook. That that's a possibility. And a lot of these books, okay, they, they kind of teach you to circumvent. Or master and go around and rise above and do that. And sure, there is some of that. But in here, um, I know a lot of people who have jumped the gun and have looked at some of this and then turn around and arguments quote this. Some people take offense. Some people like me are like, that's eh, a little confusing. Others still go, well, where's the answer? I'm going to help you out, DJ. And maybe right, wrong, or indifferent. Is it possible that the monumental undertaking of opening up a book where you're, you're Western writers, authors, and whatever, and publishing company, you're going to come out and make this book, and you tried to say, you know, we're just going to list everything that made us inspired to write content for this book. Every every little ideal, every nugget that we came from, everything we were checking out and looking into. Is it possible we're just listing it because they might get the same thing? Like if we had those authors here and I was like, I don't get how it goes. Oh, well, three lines stuck out and we're quoting Sun Tzu. And we thought it was perfect because how the devil tigers is a dharma and they have an idea. I like to hold that nugget of possibility, but... That is what I'm trying to do here. On the other half, and I could see it in your eyes, where do you stand on it? What are you thinking? When you're taking a look at it that way, it makes a little bit more sense. But the thing about it is it's not communicated. And I think maybe that's something that should be better communicated in terms of where they draw a better inspiration from and how certain lines would be able to do so. Um, but specifically, you know, for your average reader who is going down through this list, uh, myself included, when I, when I started reading this list, I was just like, wait a second, this is some old bullshit. Why am I taking a look at this? And, and this is drawing this from me, right? But I'm going to ask you a personal question. Shoot. It's, it's a personal one. Go for do it. You, you, you're of Asian heritage. Do, do you find it offensive? Is that why this keys you? I, I find it ignorant. That's why I, I think that. In every, in at least Vampire the Masquerade, using that as the main book, because this is a source book, this isn't a core book, this isn't a standalone book in itself. It's building off Vampire the Masquerade to begin with. But I feel that the research for the authors at that point and people who have contributed to the book was more in line with what they were trying to convey, so it was easier for us to be able to read. But when you take a look at this and you're looking at the suggested resources, this seems it wasn't communicated well what they were trying to achieve with it. It doesn't have the same type of feel. So when someone looks at a Vampire the Masquerade book, listed resources, all right, that makes sense of why I'd be, you know, invested into this. Take a look at this one, and there's just a disconnect. And I think that's why I find it's it's a little bit ignorant in how it's being presented is all. So what I'm going to say here is that this might be the very book that changed the whole industry on their level of sensitivity and what, what, they, what they thought they knew, right? What we have to understand, coming from an era where um, you know, action movies like Predator were allowed to be whatever they are, regardless of, you know, what the, the people, where they filmed it, what they thought, you know what I mean? Like, everyone should have been considered in all things, and really there's a smarter era we're living in now. What I'm going to say is, I think right now you're giving voice to it. You're giving voice to everything that's been waiting to breathe. 
uh, for a hot minute. You know, we are collectively. I agree with it. I agree with it. And this is just folks to to see where they pulled knowledge from and where it was influenced. But I want to highlight that clearly they're listing out here. You know, like next to these uh, these uh, movies and books, they're saying like Darkstalkers and Night Warriors. You know, and then in parentheses they list it's Japanese film and games. Here's the problem with this. We know what Darkstalkers is if you're an arcade fan at all. Right? Everybody's walked up to that game and it had werewolves and, you know, the cute little cat lady bouncing around with, you know, scantily clothed, hitting people. The mummy, who was the worst character in that video game if you ever played it. And it's Street Fighter S, but now it's citing Asian heritage. I was in an arcade where it listed White Wolf as being credited for the video game. As having it on there. And I could have swore back, if my memory goes far enough, it's like a Capcom thing. Regardless of who had rights or who did what. To have it in here, and if you remembered, I sat there and said to myself, that is the wrong move. Right? You come from a culture piece, a religious angle, the philosophies they're in, and you're like, this is all fun and games, so we're going to do this here, we're going to have that. This is what we know. And then you throw this in here, and it makes it feel kind of comical, because no other book has this setup. Right? There's a very different, serious feel when it gets to the culture and history of a lot of the other books they've released. I don't, I, I'm going to say this though, I don't think it's malicious. I truly think it comes from a sense of, like you said, maybe ignorance meant hyperactivity, right? We finally got to do this. Here's what we know where we pulled it from and we pulled all the good stuff and we're going to put it out there. And that's what I would like to stand on um, and tell everybody listening. We're explaining it to let you know that we've heard you. We obviously have heard our fans. Absolutely. uh, In terms of what you felt in, in the negativity area. And of course what they could have done to make it better. And uh, that's partly uh, why we want to make sure we went over this section, because I know this was one of the ones that's most cited as how dare they. But step into the light, step into the side of good here. A lot of the stuff they cite in here is something that, you know, brought attention uh, to a lot of um, well, to, to a lot of the, the what happens to the East, the culture wise, especially. And that's what they're trying to get. And, and there's no doubt that the West has influenced the East, but so, too, is the East influenced the West. And that's all it is. No one's trying to take anyone over through a White Wolf book is what I'm getting down. And, and this is no different. So another thing I do want to mention is, so now knowing that, and we're trying to bring things to light, where's our positivity coming in from? Awesome. When taking a look at these sources, what I want you to take a look at as well is two main things. One, does it set a mood? Is there anything that gives you an idea of a mood that you want to portray specifically for the type of game you want to run? Great. Secondly, in these movies, do you find anything that gives you an idea of the type of character you want to portray? Right? It might... It, once again, if we're looking for inspiration, we're looking for a nugget or something within the movie itself that might draw you to do so. I think, if anything, when going through this list, um, three movies, because they probably didn't exist at the time, which I very well know they, they didn't, but we've seen, you know, advancement in, in cinema and um, exposure to cinema, Old Boy. That, old, that Korean film was impactful. That is definitely someone who has a debt to pay one way or another and had that person died would definitely come back under the circumstances of being a character. Um Blood, the Last Vampire, an anime film in which you have two different types of creatures existing, one traditional-ish type of vampire versus a corruptoring thing that changes. What is the difference between the struggle of this creature who exists through time but also has something else to go up against and yet still is not accepted in one way, shape, or another and has this yoke upon them? And the last one that I also chose was I Saw the Devil, Korean film about a, a serial killer and a cop who, who goes on its way. I think it would almost be almost analogous to like the way we view the movie seven. Does that also create not only from the perspective of the serial killer, but the cop chasing after him, interesting characters had one of them died and had to come back. So let's relate, 
let's relate them to Kindred of the East. It's it's three movies we cited kind of out of nowhere that I agree with. Uh, Old Boy is, my, is, is in my top ten films that you have to see because they're uh, almost life-changing in the way you mm-hmm. watch Simonon to understand it. So what about Old Boy screams Kindred of the East to you? For me, it was the resentment that's being built up and the, the, the lack of life that was taken away from it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to pause there because I'm going to add something to this. Is it possible, because this is the way I saw it, Old Boy in that film and the way he wakes up and comes to represents a chi mm, right? I could see it. We talked about a chi before. They wake up, don't know what's going on. But in Kinder the East, they're probably mindless, most likely, right? They're yep. craving flesh and they're craving blood. And that's the two things they're running around trying to get. However, in Old Boy, he does two distinctive things. He's been trapped this whole time to go with the plot. And when he's let out, there's two things he does. One, he eats an octopus alive. Right? He orders one, they look at him weird, and he eats it alive. And nobody who sees that in cinema ever understands why. But when I think about a Chi Mei, I begin to wonder. Right? If you've spent time, and I don't care in what hell it was, and you didn't have flesh and blood, or if you were just trapped somewhere forever in a day and dead in emotions, you're willing to feel anything. Anything at all. And to me, it represents him eating life just to know that he is alive. And at that point, maybe possibly greater than something. And it's, it's whatever it speaks to you as. I wonder if a Chime does that very thing, right? The, the second thing is the level of violence in his approach to it. His approach to violence when they show this scene, and it's one of the most iconic. He's, he's going down the hallway. The hallway there's scene. All these, always these guys trying to stop him. He didn't whip out a sword and he didn't go down there like he was he, Miyamoto Musashi. He went down there like a guy who has a tack hammer and is unhinged. He is unhinged. He's like an animal going through there and they're not going to stop him and those guys killers they may have been were not prepared to go after a wild dog in human form and i said to myself how like a chime how how would you stop it right what would you do and indeed they didn't and watching that film i was like okay i get that that's old boy to me did you anything else no i felt the exact same way that's also control of his poe as well i could have seen that as like his poe taking over and that's just the the shadow nature of himself just going through he just blanks out and just does what he does until he comes to. I agree. And then uh, the second film uh, that, that hit me that you mentioned, because, uh, uh, well, the second film that you mentioned was what again? Blood, The Last Vampire. Okay, Blood, I agree with on everything you said. That's there. I mean, anime it may be, but it's also a manga from what I recall. And mm-hmm. uh, it's there's, there's a lot in there. Uh, the character Blood is controlled. She's old. And though she may is, she definitely is young in appearance, um, she is an old soul. And you get that in particular when you watch it in the show, and they land that home. With how she operates. If I remember also, because I'm, I'm just going off of memory, there was an occupation in Japan and there's the war still going on. Uh, and, yep. and she's there, right? Hunting what she's hunting at the same time. And I felt, again, we're back to my point of obligation. I always felt that she felt that she had to be there for some unknown reason. I never watched the series all the way through. I, I peeked my head in here and there in episodes and thought it was it was well done. Um, but definitely, uh, to me, Kendra the East, I, I felt that. Uh, what was the third one? I Saw the Devil. I Saw the Devil I love. I more than love. I've watched that film no less than six times. I saw it first on Netflix and I immediately rewatched it because, I, oh man, when you see a film and you see what this guy does. Okay, the serial killer is a piece of shit. He's devastating. He's brutal. He's savage. He didn't have morals. They are not on his list. And it's something about Korean films and horror that that just capture immediately something to kick you right in the right where it hurts off the bat. You almost want to avert your eyes when you see it most times. 
but you stay riveted because typically the story's well done. And I saw The Devil Does No Different. In particular, when the cop gets involved. Now, in the West, the cop would have been like Mel Gibson or someone, some action, so like Tom Cruise hunting down the bad guy and they did something in your life. Or no, we would have took John Wick himself and threw a Keanu in it because he holds that look better, I think. And uh, we would try to go after this guy and would have lots of lines and talk about what he should have done. Nah, bullshit. Not this film. This film is so kindred to the East with the cop that I, every time, just thinking about it, I want to build this guy. Because he's very good at doing his job. But when when he when this guy does what he does to his family and the serial killer is just like, she was just a victim. Something switches in this guy. And everyone around him is like, are you, he's not okay. He said he's okay, he's not okay. And he systematically hunts this guy down in film. And he abuses this killer. And he injures this killer. And he does so much to this guy that the writers do a beautiful job of making you feel sympathy. Literally feeling sorry for the killer who started it all. But if you're me, there was no sympathy. I was rooting for that cop so hard that when he went there, I was like, I would never see this in, in, in Western film. They would never make this film. Because it's just, oh, I just can't appeal. The good guy has to be impossibly. No, no. There's a difference between good and justice. There's a difference between um, you you kill my family. You take the love of my life away from me. Oh, I, w- I will do this to you. And, and it's just that film. And it's such a great idea. And it is called I Saw the Devil. I recommend it. Even if you're not a fan of Kindred of the East, check it out. It's I love that film. But how does it relate to Kindred of the East? It absolutely relates to Kindred of the East because there's a concept. If you are not balanced, me and DJ mentioned this no less than a dozen times, the last podcast, they talk about balance left and right. And clearly, that cop was balanced before something horrible happened to him. And when that happened, he made an active choice, a willful choice, to become that which he was hunting. He gave in to his Poe. He didn't, he, did, he didn't just give in to his Poe. He wrote it a letter. He sold off everything he had at home. He pursued it. He knew he was pursuing it, and he said he did it, and it was so corrupting that people around him in that film are covering up for him in what he's doing, out of a sense of, we're not 100% knowing what's going on, but we're going to let him work this through. They knew what was going on. You know they knew what was going on. And I and I adore it. And to me, that's everything they talk about in this book, right? What's the quote? If you go seeking revenge, dig two graves? Mm-hmm. Right? That's exactly what it's about. And I feel that that's 100% uh, some of the philosophies that come out of uh, Kindred of the East. And it's, uh, it's a good thing they did do well in the, in the book itself. Now, I've gushed everywhere. Um, two films we'll mention. Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D. Well, we'll go three. We'll go with Wicked City. Those are three films if you haven't seen them. Um, two are anime. Um... Actually, all three are anime. I'm a little, little, little messing up. One's about ninjas, demon ninjas, and samurai, and how that fits together. Uh, another one is about a vampire hunter. If uh, Vampire Hunter D, you haven't seen it, I often don't think you've been in in certain circles uh, <laughs> with the hobby. Uh, vampire Hunter D was the intro to to me seeing anything. Have you seen vampire anime? Well, naturally, you've seen Vampire Hunter D. No, and then you watch it and you wonder what's up with the hand. That eats soil and the talking thing. It was always the hand. It was, it was always freaking you out. It's in there. And it's weirdness is why I think it fits. Because it's not the vampire I thought of. But it's definitely a vampire hunter hunting vampire. You know. it's It does what it's supposed to do. Um, 
that's about it. I won't relate them, but I'm just simply saying of the ones on the list I would check out that I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and they have some serious picks in here too, but there is an exhaustive list. Um, naturally, we talked about it. Um, do you feel satisfied going over what you needed to? I do. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to go ahead and dive into this a little bit more. Um, we started off where we did and uh, kind of gave a general overview of a lot of what we're going to get into. And there's some key things I wanted to point out. One, I was getting alarmed as I was re- reading through here and seeing that this is written from a perspective of in character, not clearly stated. What do I mean by that? There are a couple books where they do a good job. I always refer to this. Justin Achilles does an amazing job of writing a book from the perspective of a character he's playing. You know what I mean? Like the Giovanni books, the, the clan books, they're written from that Giovanni or a person who's victimized by them and what's going through to give you better understanding and insight in what he's trying to say they're about that's done well. But clearly it's noted, right? You could, you could see what's going on. Here when we get to Middle Kingdom in the book, it, it's, it's okay describing what's going on and that the, the Middle Kingdom is basically uh, the chosen place uh, for a lot of spirit warriors and, and in other words, supernals and, and normal folk to kind of hash out what's going to happen uh, in this age as they refer to it, right? It's a perspective of how they're viewing the times. And they do it in a very different facet because they see it in cycles, as we pointed out last time. Well, here, there's there's something to get into that uh, I wanted to touch just a little bit, right? They say the Middle Kingdom is a place where the newest fads from Europe and America jostle for prominence with a vast array of ceremonies and half-serious offerings to the ancient gods and spirits. It is a place where cutting-edge technology and design exists in equal measure with the cheap mass production of foreign-controlled sweatshops. It is a place where young go-getters rise before dawn and transact billions on the trading floors of Tokyo and Hong Kong, only to die on the way home amid the crossfire of gangs and tongs. It is a place where dictators and their military pit bulls oppress and slaughter waves of people in the name of order and control, yet refuse to venture into the rural areas of their own countries for fear of angering the night people who reside in the shadows. Now, up until that last sentence, it just seems like they're being incredibly negative. Right out of nowhere. It's like called the Middle Kingdom, and you start listening to it, and you're reading it, and it's fine. And then it gets this sort of, what are we talking about? And they're interpainting what they see it in the world of darkness, right? That's what they're saying. It didn't hit me immediately. And I had to go back and read a couple times just kind of figuring it out. Because I, I literally wrote down, I have a note, a notepad just when I read through this material, just how it made me feel at this point. And I wrote down, huh? Right? And then the second thing, what the hell were you trying to say? And I have it, you know, darted back to read it again. And then I came down again. And I said, okay, it tempo changed for me. Why did it change? Why did I feel different? Well, because I was, I was triggered. I was triggered in two shops. You refer to sweatshops. You refer to a hyper-negative look of, of people in these areas. You refer to it's all terrible. And then I said, oh, okay. They're talking in character. Now, because when you get to this point, you're thinking Middle Kingdom, and the way they open it, we're going to discuss how an outside view, it's an outside view of how the creatures feel where they're at. Like, we're going to see kind of over here in this corner is this, and over here in this park might be that. And this is why they do that. Maybe you're going to get some of that. But what it is, it's still a selling point. They're still selling you what the Middle Kingdom was. Did you get a similar feel, or were you like, ah, just seemed fine to you? I got a similar feel, and I think one of the things that was, was mentioned before, this needs a little bit more context. Uh, in the Westerner, you could say, and, and this is where they try pointing out how the world of darkness overlays itself in these regions. Um, 
for the Western location, we know what America looks like. We we have an idea of where the seedier locations might be, where our ghettos are, where our hoods are, where we have corruption in one way, shape, or another. Um, in here, without context, it definitely is shocking. You're like, wait a second, what do you mean this is happening here? Um, but those things did exist. You, you do have dictators. You have members like Pol Pot and the Killing Fields, right, that they speak about. Um, you, you have certain locations where tradition is starting to wane away because industrialization is coming in. And, and all these little micro things that have happened in the environment um, aren't brought up at this moment in time. And that's why there is that shocking moment of like, wait, what am I walking into and why didn't I realize this before? Precisely. It is a matter of how you have to look at this. And uh, why I went, why we're going through this like this, folks, the deep dive, is because there are people who just read it thinking innocently. I'm going to go through and there's sort of a, a thought that I, I don't have to have a thought other than to read and digest the material. I'll trust my guide. What they're doing here is assuming that you've read previous material and you understand there's going to be kind of an in-character, out-of-character, almost sales pitch to get you to understand these areas in the way they want you to play through them. The danger here is, is if you go at it the way I did, Right? That, that, what would happen if I just bought it? Let me innocently read this section. And someone handed me the book and said, Hey, read about the Middle Kingdom. Well, you're going to get thrown because you're missing context. Right? Context is everything. And it's no less correct. However, once you get it and you understand this whole book is that way, you'll be good to go because you're better armed, especially if you didn't get it until now. Because what it throws you right into Dragon Ness, right? It goes from what the world is that they're standing in and how they see it and that they're in a different age. And uh, that's it's vastly different, right? They don't refer to it as just, ah, oh, it's 2020, year of the COVID. They would call it something else. Like, I believe it's the age of sorrows they might even click to if we go to the, mo- and go to the modern, but it's not the point. Point is, what's a dragon nest, Bob? You're kind of blathering on it. And DJ, what do they define as a dragon nest? A dragon nest, well, a, a dragon nest, for lack of a better term, is pretty much a, a nexus of power, uh, where this is where cheese is normally being accumulated, the, the flow of chi is, is starting to maneuver and collect itself. Primarily for those of you who are very familiar with werewolf, this would be kind of be where your cairns would normally be located. Um, once again, it is that nexus of power. It, it does have a little bit more <laughs> allegorical ways of looking at it because, of course, a dragon is, is definitely a creature of power. And so hence the, <laughs> the nomenclature stuck. And they stated, period, just exactly what it is in a sentence. The walls between spirit and matter is weak. It's the sites where this occurs. That is considered a dragon nest. However, you fans of ghost hunting, and then what they call a haunted house, right? Isn't it easier for ghosts to act out and do paranormal things and whatnot in these areas? Do you not? I see grand similarities, right? Multiple religions and cultures and stories are being told, but this is a theory. And in Kindred of the East, it's a dragon nest is what it's called. And it also says that because the Kindred of the East, the Kwai Jin, prefer to layer in sites where this occurs is because the ambient chi, it, it's rich, it's everywhere, it's stored, it's seeping through. They could just eat, right? If they have the capability, they could just eat. Why do I say that capability? Do recall, as uh, DJ pointed out last time, um, Kwai Jin, in the beginning, they're flesh and blood eaters. That's where they're at. They have to learn, ascend, get older, to then suddenly start eating chi alone, which is that energy which is everything, right? It's, this, it's life energy. It can be death energy. It just depends, yin or yang. But that's that's what you're able to do later on down the road. Not initially. But they want dragon nests because dragon nests are connected by what they call dragon tracks. Now, this will blow your mind. I want you to pretend the earth for a moment is just a black marble, right? Just, just assume it, right? We got the black marble in hand. It's big. We have it. It's black all around. And it's sizable enough to sit in your palm and you can see what I'm talking about here. 
Now, on your black marble, I'm going to tell you that there are a bunch of dragon nests everywhere in the world, but they're a finite amount. However, take heart. You'll be able to see these because I'm going to put these white lines between dragon nests. And I'm going to call them dragon tracks. And it's going to look like a spider web over this marble, right? It's going to be literally everywhere that you can see and they connect. And what's cool about this is if you're Kwai Jin, you're going to thank me. Because now you have a veritable map. Right? It's a map of where you can eat. Of where you can absorb and get your magic at. Uh, your energy at. Now why is this? Remember, Kwai Jin are not Western vampires. And as Bob said, and I'll argue with anybody, they're not vampires at all. They're not vampires at all. Not in the slightest. Right? They're the, the difference is a gulf and it's massive. They're more related to, to werewolf and wraith than they are to vampire at all. And beyond them being a chime, and I don't think eating flesh and drinking blood for a little bit of your existence is considered the proof you need to be a vampire. However, they're saying, no, no, we're still vampires because we feed on chi from people and we can take it. Yeah, here's the thing. Unless it's like uh, something, I could you could drain my chi to nearly zero and it doesn't necessarily kill me, right, if I'm a victim of you. That'll come back, that'll re naturally restore whatever, I'm a little battery of it, it'll, it'll come. And that's interesting. So if that doesn't kill you, what are you doing? And, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's just a cool way to go about it and be a supernatural creature. It's more like a haunting than anything else, and you've drained me of my energy. Now, it doesn't mean that bad stuff isn't going to happen to me or that I'm not at risk. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that's not necessarily the vampires we know in Western horror or even in when it, when it, where it comes from. Right? It's supposed to be a detriment. Someone dies and a vampire's like a parasite and can make more of themselves and they kill them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you can as a Kwaijin. So, you know, the phrase is, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, swims like a duck, it's a duck. Unless, in this case, that duck's a vampire and the Kwaijin... As close as a Kwaijin is to a duck is that they watched Howard the Duck. And they know what you're talking about. That's how. That's my opinion. Might solely be my opinion, but that's how I feel. Now, why is that? No vampire has a place. A vampire can't buy a house, and in that house, blood drips from the wall, and they can just rub their hand in and lick it all day, turn on a faucet, blood shoots out and drink it if they need to, and then it's only a certain amount, and it'll generally regenerate as it goes with no one dying. Also, if it happens to be low, I can't go out back because there's a clever pathway, jump on it, and it'll teleport me along that dragon track to my best buddy's house, who has a castle somewhere, and I'm able to then feed on his resources, because I called him, and he said it's totally cool. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> You're right. But they're able to. Right? Now, I went off a little bit just to get, kind of hammer that home, and to leave you leave it open for you to sound like the purest. So, DJ, in your words, what is a dragon track then? How is that able to do that between nests? A dragon track is because they're linking between one dragon nest to another dragon nest. And this is a highway. This is a silk road of you being able to move from one location to another. And especially in the Middle Kingdom where you have so much room in between, you being able to travel. Werewolves have an issue, right? When you're when you're in the Umbra, when you're we're in that side, you're traveling at real time. But you have to figure out where it is you're going. To have a dragon track, to have somewhere where you know it's going to go from one location to the other, cuts you the time. The problem with it, though, is this is also giving you seeds automatically of why Kuejin would be warring against other Henge Yokai. Remember, other shapeshifters who have the ability to go into the Umbra are also looking for that same resource. So now you're fighting for the roads to be able to travel from nest to nest. But when you get to the end of that rainbow and there's that pot of gold in the form of Chi, 
they're going to be competing for that same resource too because they have use of it. Exactly. And that's why, and in my opinion, that's why they don't leave the East, right? Here are the authors beautifully. I mean, genius level. Describe why um, you don't see Kinder of the East hopping over, taking boats, and going over to the West. Not immediately. Right? You have to send, because well, think about it. If your home and your whole world is built up upon the cyclical nature, and you have literally ancient eons of being here and sharing sites or warring for sites, these dragon nests, why would you want to suddenly give it up? Those nests didn't disappear. It's just who's currently running them is what's going on. And that's the competition, the intrigue, and the insight. Meanwhile, the West may have these sites. They might. And it's a risk. However, as we know, how we even know about the Kindred of the East is because they do come over in certain supplement books. And that's where it generate all the interest about them. And how they're going to conflict now with everybody over here. No one knows what they want. But the Kindred of the East did discover what? There are dragonists over there. We just got to take them. But mm-hmm. who's over there? Werewolves. Right? They're over here too. They knew that. But going over there, maybe it's a thing. In other words, it's a struggle. It's interest. This is a, a conquest potential campaign one could run uh, for Kindred of the East if you wanted to. Or negotiation or whatever. But to that point, the Quaijin themselves have a very interesting thing going on in this book. They write something that we've seen a couple times. And they say that the Quaijin are as limited in number as the Western Kindred are, in roughly the same proportions, one Quaijin for every 100,000 mortals. Here again, we uh. hear this weird mathematical... We ho- And here's why it doesn't even make sense for them. You don't pick who comes back as a Quaijin. I was There's about no to say the exact same thing. Whereas you could choose to willfully embrace someone and bring them into the city, Quaijin don't choose to be brought in this way. So the math the math just seems off. Or is it just by, let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. And that's that's where I'm getting it. I think they wanted to say that there's, uh, here I, f- I feel they're saying there's an equivalency. We want to be in, on equal footing with, our, with, the, with the West. In other words, our two products, we don't want to compete. Just as many over here as there are over there, and that's what goes on. And it's like, ah, I'm a Newton bitter. Wait a second. And then they go on to say, the vastness in the Middle Kingdom, these proportions are staggering indeed. China alone, with a population of around 1.2 billion, is thought to boast almost 12,000 Kwaijin. Well, that's because they know math. What? Yeah, I'm just saying, that's because they know math. I've had this thrown at me, and I was like, that's not necessarily the accurate number. Like, what do you mean? They're, they're telling you there's a formula, they're working a formula. That's all I'm saying. They, that's why they said there's rumored to be, you know, almost could, maybe, but it doesn't make sense. Can't, right? Because we just told you why. Now, going in that, in contrast, the structures placed on excuse me, the uh, contrast to the strictures placed on kindred society, the Kwaijin exist in a relatively loose environment. What are they referring to? They don't believe in a masquerade. Yep. They don't they don't need it. They don't need it at all. And and the reason why, as they state it, is that Kwaijin do not roam freely about the Middle Kingdom, flaunting their otherworldliness. Right? So they don't need to impose this masquerade. And the reason being is because in Eastern culture, matters of privacy are of the utmost importance. They are handled behind closed doors. They believe in saving face or not making a spectacle of oneself in public. And these things are handled. Stuff is kept private. And because of this, as a culture, this means that when incidents happen, they leave it to the authorities to come and sort out. Right? If it's a, if a family gets murdered and it's next door, you're expected to not be in the way of the police appropriately. Not to go blabbing on the internet, not to be out there recording it, not to be in the way. 
and for all matters of safety to let the authorities come in and handle it and trust your government. That's that's what's expected, right? However, hmm, is that different than what's expected in the West? No, it's just we're rude as hell in America. I'm just going to point that out. We we live here. We know how it goes. You're not ex- Why the hell would you want to capture someone's human misery of getting assaulted on a smartphone and release it on something like world.com or whatever it's called and, and consider that to be the funniest thing ever? You were there and caught it, but shouldn't you have been there trying to stop it? Right? If you were there, like, it's that's that's what I'm talking about. And I imagine, even over there, that's not every time either. But what they're highlighting is, is more often than not, the expectation is here. And there's still a bit of shame folks feel over there in the East. Regarding if you weren't behaving that way, or someone was trying to record it. You know, someone might say, hey, not appropriate, or whatever. And move on with that, we're in the West, we don't necessarily do that. So... This is what the kindred of the East do, right? In the world of darkness, they they prey upon it, they enforce it, they they're nudging it along with their influences and what they do to tell the humans, the mortals, to keep it, to keep it just as it is. Now we don't need a masquerade. Another thing I want to add to that is remember that this is broad strokes, folks, and remember that the Middle Kingdom just isn't China, Japan, Korea. You're also talking about Indonesia, Cambodia, like all that of which is also Asia, up to and including India as well. They're mentioning that they're able to operate these shadow games because of the nature of the culture as well in those areas. Rural locations don't have cops and or anyone else to take a look at it. Some of these locations don't even have cameras uh, or people with the technology to be able to do so. Fields of farmers, um, more desolate towns from one to the other and a distance between them. People that have to get on trains to, to, to be able to move. And on, not only like on, on one particular track, but many that cross countries. And so this is a broad stroke to also think about. So it's not just think China and or Japan. Think about these other countries as well. And that's why they're able to proliferate in the way that they are and operate those shadow games that they normally do. Think it vicious too when they talk about governments and, uh, and drop this out here. And they, and, and they should. I mean, it's the truth, right? Um, for a lot of things, historically anyway. Um, it says, although government law and police bludgeon the populace into submission on many occasions... Uh, the authorities rarely become involved in many cities dis- citizens' disputes. And uh, partly it's because a general wariness exists about how they might handle things versus how um, those citizens would handle it. But also it's a long-standing tradition of settling matters from outsider eyes. So even the government and law don't want to intervene in what you're doing in your home life. Because why? They're people. They have a family life. They know what goes on. Pay their taxes. Support themselves because they're in it. That's, that's the same thing. So it works both ways. Right? That's what's going on. However, it's, it, they, they state flat out that it is the way of the East. Right? And that's and that's just how it is. I'm going to say here, um, it is what you know it to be. Statements like that make me uncomfortable when I read them in a book. Right? Because I, I, as Bob, have never, ever been to the East. Have you ever been over there? No. Never got the chance to. Never visited. Okay. Um, so it's... So there's there's a lot of things, right? Can we talk about it? Yes. I just think there's a language to use, and in here it's it's often making some serious statements that I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that be what you said it. You said that, uh, Mr. Book Guy. I'm gonna just say it's in here. Read it. <laughs> Make your own judgment. Uh, but uh, there's another thing they highlight that I like about the Quaijin, of course, is that as uh, children of matter and spirit, Quaijin are connected to the world's chi. Now, why this is important to me is that it's reinforcing what I said earlier. If they're children of matter and spirit, is that not exactly what a werewolf is? That is. 
And so we're we're right back to what I was talking about. Let's not think of them as typical at all. Now, all questions have to replenish themselves with chi. You know, not all of them have to do it in the same manner. Um, DJ, what are some of the ways other than blood and flesh that Kuaijin can do it? I know we mentioned chi, but we're talking ways in, I have to feed on blood, and we know there's this other guy who has to chew his flesh uh, to get his replenishment. Yet there's another guy I met who uh, does it by standing near somebody filled with yang chi. Is there another way? There is. You could take it via breath. What? Uh, You could take it via the breath. Like uh, that that movie with the cat, or like the dude who's able to take it open. (laughs) I forgot the name of it. it. Was that Stephen King flick? But that's you know uh, what I'm cat's talking eye. about. It's cat's, cat's eye. You're talking cat's about. eye exactly. Um, so that is a, that is a way to be able to steal chi without leaving marks behind. And as you start growing and ascending and understanding how to be able to tap into the chi, those elders who are fighting for those dragoness could just do it via osmosis, just standing in the center of it and just being able to pull it into themselves. Man, I'm in shock. Go figure, right? I'm in shock. And they say Methuselahs are powerful, right? Um, it says that this era, the fifth age that it jumps to, is the uh, last few centuries. It's uh, coval to the arrival of unclean foreigners. Again, just highlighting the fact of how negative it seems this book is referring to the West at all. Right? That's that's period, though. Um, is it wrong? No. Why I'm pointing these uh, pitfalls out is as folks read this book, two ways to look at it. You're either reading it from the perspective of, of playing a character in Kindred of the East, or you read it from the perspective of somebody who's from the West visiting the East. And you're using this book to do it. I would warn you, don't do it that way. <laughs> Be it from a form of somebody who's entertained and they're wondering whether or not they want to play the game and what's the game about. That simple. Just, uh, just a quick note. Now, when we talk about the ways of karma, they open it up and start you know, talking about karma a bit. And I don't know, DJ, I came to your game, Kindred of the East, to play. Why, why am I caring about karma suddenly? Why is that being thrown at me? And, and what is karma? Karma is is that small notion that, I, well, in broad strokes, I'm going to let you folks know, karma is that what you do comes back to you in one way, shape, or another, right? This is the exact reason you are playing Kindred of the East is because you had to come back because you had something left unfulfilled. There was a karma that you didn't fulfill, whether it's to die gloriously in battle, to, to write a book, to say something to someone you love, to have the revenge against someone who had wronged you. All those things that you were meant to do that you just weren't able to fulfill. This also sounds like Wraith at one point, doesn't it, Bob? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. It makes it seem like that no matter what, whatever happened and you, you you came back, so you have to fulfill your purpose. I almost said porpoise, but your purpose. And whatever it is. <laughs> or your dolphin. Your fulfill dolphin. your dolphin. And uh, whatever you need to do. And I like it, right? Because here is built in. The number one problem with any player playing a game is wondering what they need to be doing. It happens all the time. I know it happens all the time. You get to game, you didn't take notes, you showed up, last session was funny, but maybe not fun, but funny. It was entertaining, and you're there, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do this time uh, with Yule Gangrel, because we're now in politics the whole night, and Ron Elysium, ah, man, what was I supposed to be doing? Wasn't there something? And you don't have a purpose, and so you're not really thinking of what to do. You're just waiting for the storyteller to kind of give you something to do. However, this karma is a hell of a kick in the teeth. Because you got to know that if you came back for a reason, hey, forever, what are you sitting there for? It sounds to me you're on me time. <laughs> Not serving anything for a deputy or a sheriff. You're there to figure it out. Um, perhaps you should be working on the fact that you're only here because you did something bad. And you're trying to right it. Or you're trying to find a loved one and help them because they were in dire need of you. And somehow it's linked. Or you believe it is. I highly doubt you, the player, will ever know. Or your character will ever know exactly 
why they came back, but it's the pursuit of it, right? And the story your ST wrote for you, that should be rewarding you for going after it. And so I think that's the fun part, right? That's what the, that's the cool thing of Kindred of the East to me is that it's right there written in. Much like Werewolf has that too. And so A number one, and a lot of them kind of catch on to this. But then they flip it. They said, we talked to you about a curse. We talked to you about how they don't embrace. Well, DJ, if they don't embrace, then how? why, why do you come back? What's the deal? So one of the reasons why you come back is the mortal somehow awakens their Pope. What is that? Didn't we just have a conversation about how I saw the devil and you have that cop? That yep. cop was a, was a regular human being up until the moment he woke up his own devil. And it is a very real possibility because it resides within you. We had a conversation about your existence being of two souls. You know, your hunt and your Poe. This cop wakes up his Poe. That's one option of doing so. The second one is you die in a traumatic fashion that does also awaken your Poe as well, which we spoke about. Something violent happened to you. Something that you didn't anticipate. A sudden death, getting hit by a car, getting shot you know, execution style, whichever way it happens, it's something that does bring out something in you. Um, and the last one is, perhaps, and you might think it's heroic, but it, it also could be just stubbornness. It's the strength of will to not give up. Maybe you just weren't ready to die. Maybe, you know, and let's put this in a more practical view, folks. You're a greedy magnet. You are not going to give up your company to your two lazy kids who are over there. And as you're sitting there in your deathbed, clawing at your sheets, going like, the hell have I done with my life? Not today. <laughs> and you go through hell and you come back because you're not going to let them run your Fortune 500 company and squander all the resources that you went through to build up. It reminds it reminds me of Creepshow. I want my cake, Bedelia. They're all waiting for him to yeah, die. Exactly. Oh. He's just a chime coming back looking for his cake. Perfect. Oh, right? man. That is awesome. Yes. Yes. Simply does not want to give up that. Oh, and speaking of Creepshow, we get right to the Yomi world. Now, we, we talk a lot about spirit world and whatnot, and I think everybody goes, oh, the Umbra. Yeah, it's the Umbra, or it's the world of death. Wait a minute. What's a Yomi world, DJ? The Yomi world, as it's being described, is your thousands hells. It is the abyss. It is the labyrinth. I pause there, Bob, because I have that question as well. Notice how it mentions it literally gives you such definitive terms that only vampire players and or people who are playing within that. So it is, it is your thousand hells, but it's also the abyss and the labyrinth. Yep. I pause it. Did, how do you feel about that? I, I need to hear from you. So, like, how would you interpret that? So the Yomi world is to make a distinction of where you're going. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how I, I took sure. it. <laughs> because look at that. Look at what it's talking about, right? Kwaizen called this rum many things. The Yomi world, the thousand hells, the abyss, the labyrinth. But that's just a few. But to me, I think they encompass all of them anyway. I.e., calling them the thousand hells makes sense. When you say the abyss, it's just one of a thousand. Even though that's like everything. When we refer to werewolf and uh, La Sombra, you know, it just depends. These places exist. And here we have a common tie-in. A lot of people forget that. They say the kids are these are so different, doesn't even relate to anything. No. They do. They look at it differently. They see it differently. They respond to it differently. And this is where you see that directly. Well, they have a thousand hells and it should worry you. Because if I'm Little Vampire Bob, and I only heard about Cain, and then there's the devil, and that's that's a hell. And they're like, that is one of a thousand. What? You know how much trouble's caused for this one? Well, yes. Because there are 999 more. You do know how to count, Bob. No, I don't. I'm Western. Thank you. And then, you know, we move on from there, right? What'd you expect me to do? I gotta take your other 900 plus hells on? Yes. Yes, they exist. And they're warning you of that. Why I adore it is because here's where I tell people 
one of the cool ways to use a supplement is to keep your people and let them be Western, whatever. But you went through all of this and you have it all and you have an understanding. Now when you decide to go to the spirit world and your werewolf pack goes off the beaten path, take them somewhere that is from the Yomi world, from that perspective, highlighting what goes on. Um, you're going to be thinking, well, won't that make it slapstick? It's all in how you present it. And I think you could do it very smart. They give a lot of detailed uh, information in the Kindred of the East supplements from a supplement book called A Thousand Hells that goes in deep on what it is to them specifically, but what you can tie in on top of it. Uh, but that's that, That's just it. I mean, I digress on what the Yomi world is, uh, but just remember, it is all of these things combined. They refer to them in a blanket statement because it's almost as if they're saying, hmm, why are we talking about the Yomi world? I'm not. I'm talking about hell. There are many hells. Which one in the Yomi world are you referring to? And it, and it becomes interesting, right? It's like, oh, now we have a conversation starter. Where does that go to? However... I've been baffled. I'm still baffled. The second breath. Remember how we were taking a look at math a little bit earlier and saying, like, that's impossible. They don't choose to be that way. Well, here's where we kind of have a caveat to it. When you're in a Yomi hell and you're trying to claw your way out, the Poe actually escapes and attempts to lock onto the Hun. It's assumed that at one point in time during your death, the Hun just stays behind with the body. This kind of almost sounds like an Egyptian myth to a certain degree with the Khan Ba. But let's go with it here. Your Poe escapes trying to beacon itself out once it finally does escape this hell, which is already hard enough to do so. And it makes it back towards the body. The problem with that, though, is, and this is how important it is that every Kuei that actually makes it out is rewarded in one way, shape, or another. At least you know you're badasses because just you getting out of hell doesn't mean anything. So you escaped out of hell, that's great. You get out, you could get devoured by other spirits. What? Yeah, you didn't make it back to your body yet. You made it <laughs> out. You still get the chance to get devoured by bigger, stronger spirits from you. And it's only those that make it through, like those small little turtles on the beach trying to make it to the water, <laughs> that you finally make it back to your hunt. And you're able to go ahead and become that Chimei you were always meant to be. Not really, but you have to understand, folks, that's that's just part of the journey. That's not even before getting to your character. You're the devil inside. That shadow had to be that strong to be cunning elusive to make it back to the hun and meld back to where you were. And or, uh, that brings us back to your second breath. Now that you're in your body, what are you doing? It's chow time. Remember, you're Chi Mei. You're nothing better than a zombie at this point. And this normally happens no more than two months from the moment of your death. Time doesn't really stop. Or, well, your health might have been longer in, in, uh, in that particular world. But in the real world, usually about two months or so, you'll have a better idea as to whether or not you come back. Um, and, and those are just things that kind of contribute towards you coming back from your second breath. Which I no. guess leads us. Go ahead. No, no. Finish your point. Oh no! Which leads us to like you know where we're we're going with with our, our black lotus blossoms, and I guess we could just start off with the Chi Mei, which saying once again, zombie, you come out, you're hungry, you need sustenance after having fought your way out. You worked up an appetite. Bob, you were saying. Uh, what I was saying is, is uh, I didn't forget. I, I didn't catch uh, to define Yomi. Just to help everybody out. It just it's land of the dead. That's, that's what that phrase is meaning, but they mean it to the negative, is what I was stressing. I just want to I just want to mention it, because I was like, I don't think we remember that. I was looking at my notes. Um, that's that's what that reference is to, but I want to, again, it's a drum I'm beating. It's a deep dive. Welcome to it. We can't assume Umbra. It's like the werewolves get the ability to say, we're going to the Umbra, and they're like, well, we're in the near Umbra. Now we're over here figuring it out, and then everything's nice and peachy, just a nice, polite reflection, reflection and we go from here. Yeah, the Kinder of the East could get to do that too, but it's interesting 
how they're tied to the darker places in the Umbra. Right? When they refer, like you said, when they refer to the Yomi world, they're certainly not referring to just the twilight world around Chicago when Bob sidesteps. Right? They're, they're not. It's, they're, they're like, oh, be careful. Are, art thou visiting the shores of, well, the abyss? Uh, no, I'm going to bypass. You know what I mean? Like, there's a different logic as to where they are because it's where they come from, isn't it? That's why I was like, ah, oh, the second breath talked to me about it. That's right. It's a mindless battle uh, that they can't recall coming from one of the hells back to the real world. And it's like they're in tune to those pathways evermore. And that's what makes it interesting to me when you start talking about, okay, if that's, if that's what it is to come back, it's almost like there's a legend of be careful because you might come back as a Kwai Jin, right? I don't want to be a Kwai Jin when I die. I'm going to let that be stated plainly. If, if, if you can come back as a vampire, there are more than people, me included, be like, ah, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I'm an immortal now. I have a sire. I was made forever. To exist forever. In the castle with my love. Make my, make my bros. My, my, my vamp fam or van, hashtag family, whatever. They get to come with me. And we're out here. <laughs> and that's fun. Or there's the equation method where, um, I really hope I lived a good life. And I really hope I don't have anything left behind. Um, okay, everything's great, cool, alright, cool. Now I'm gonna go and I'm gonna bungee jump. Oh, the cord broke. Bob's smashing the rocks. Oh man, flash forward. Why am I waking up covered in blood with a bulging stomach and smelling like, I don't know, nine days old cheese stuffed in the back of a shoe, kept in the hot sun and dipped in rotting sushi out the back right up my nose or whatever disgusting thing I could do because a rotting monster corpse has to smell awful after swimming through people. And that's not fun. That's not fun. That, that's, that doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. Now, other than that, they talk about burial rites. These different burial rites that folks go through. And I'm actually digging it. Um, what about you, DJ, when they do these grave undertakers? I was going through this section. It's almost as if we're being encouraged to come up with more than just what they present here. As you have mentioned, it's so weird because everyone's like, I want to play a vampire. It's going to be awesome. But when you are looking at it from an in-character perspective, it's not awesome. You have that <laughs> debt to pay. And like the reason I say that is because people in the Middle Kingdom during this age, during this time, feel that there's a resurgence in terms of Quajin. And the reason they're coming back in droves is because proper burial rites haven't been observed. They assume that if everything is taken care of at the moment of burial, you could soothe the Hun and the Po, and it'll dissipate. It'll ensure that the the, the, the soul is ready to just go on to the land of the ancestors or outside where it could just not have to fight or look for any type of retribution in any way, shape or form. And yet, of course, we're talking about this world of darkness, as was mentioned earlier, where the world is in neglect, where the middle kingdom's in neglect and where people are just going through the motions of doing something without really putting any feeling behind it. So it's like, oh, ancestor died. Well, let me go ahead and drop my tablet. Let me go ahead and just drop a, a keepsake here. And that's about it. No talisman, no anything, no proper jade, etc. And so the encouragement of looking at different things that you could do to help someone passing, such as the use of jade, pictographs, um, protection sigils, talismans, um, even just writing to your ancestor or, or, or those who have departed means that much more to them because they feel um, that being able to do so will reduce the chances of them coming back angry. And it's, it's, it's an important thing to note. It's uh, to reduce them coming back angry is the point. And then it adds in there that or people want to pay the respect so that it's more, it's sooner that that energy comes back but to the positive, i.e., we know that our ancestor can come back craving these bad things. But maybe if we tend to these sites and, you know, and obey these strictures, protect the site, keep it at peace and keep it clean 
and respectful with the right pictograms, as you said. But then Jade. Jade is something special. Jade's like a it's a it's a lodestone of spiritual energy, right? And there's there's different types of jade, and we'll get into that later. But uh, for right now, from the burial sense, it's supposed to be that of purity. I thought. Am I getting that right? No, that's about right. So that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's right where it is. And that's and that's what it is. But then later on, this can also be a thing of power. And just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but DJ, when you mentioned the black lotus blossoms, um, the one thing I didn't get, I missed this point. Remember, we're deep diving here. When you mention the term. And old Bob's going to go, huh? Because my memory didn't grab onto it. What is a black lotus blossom? Is it just the flower you're referring to? Or is this a phrasing? Is this refer to doing something? When you're talking about the lotus in general, the lotus is a flower that only grows in really, really bad conditions. Rather, it thrives off of it. It's one, That's why it represents such a beautiful thing uh, to those who observe Buddhists and such like that. When you're taking a look at the black lotus, it's almost the same when we're, I hate to put it this way, when you kind of look at Sabata and the way that it kind of just plays off of, you know, the Catholic hierarchy, ecclesiary, the black lotus itself is your, your Kui Jin. Your Kui Jin is now growing from that deep, dark place, which was the Yomi world into a refined creature, something that has that semblance of spirituality and individualism. Um, and as we mentioned, it starts off with the Chi Mei being the zombie um, up until they get brought in by a mentor who at that point now labels the Chi Mei. If that once again, if you thought being the Poe was bad and you thought you were going to get eaten, that was one thing. You make it to Chi Mei status. It ain't over. Why? Because if you're just too bad of a Chi Mei, <laughs> it's time to put you down as well. Like, we can't work with this. Nope. Get clipped. <laughs> so I had to mention that. If you make it past that level, then you become a proper hen. And what is a hen? You're, you're a student. Um, and it takes time because all you have is time. And, it's, and it's, that's important. I know for you, natural, right? I told you. I warned you. I'm going to play the Western guy because I'm a Western guy. As we go through this. So when we get to this, uh, this it's novice Kui Jin, right? That's what you refer to if yep. I'm picking up on that. That's what a, that's what a hint mm-hmm. is. So what is that in, in Kui Jin society? Is that a bad thing? or It definitely isn't. It just means you're a student. It's, it's the equivalent in, in Western society to believe that you're a child under accounting. Now, what's weird, I thought I read that said that you're a non-person if you're a hint. Well, you haven't earned your rights yet. But as a child, as a child as well, are you not anything oh, yet? Okay. Do you not have... Okay, I'm with you now. Keep talking. You're just hearing me. No, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And it's exactly that, which is essentially you're put under what Westerners would known as the accounting for, for vampires. You're, you're chilled to someone else, and as they watch over you, and you start to learn your disciplines, you start learning what your purpose is. All right, cool. So now on this hand, and I'm getting all this training, right? I'm going through. It's probably philosophical as well as how to eat, who to eat, where to be eating, how to clean up your mess, because if you're requiring a ninja every time you want to eat i imagine much like that show preacher you're getting that straw with the with the meat shakes if you haven't seen preacher check it out um sorry (laughs) i want to say exactly what that's composed of and why but check out the show probably a bad reference but the point is um i'm this hen what do i have to look forward to like what's the next stage like as because i'm assuming as i'm hen as i'm hen this is where i would learn my Culture, society, do's and don'ts in my, I don't know, disciplines. But that's not all. What you also learn is you go on this spiritual journey known as the Koa. It is the Quasian equivalent of what the Amish would consider Rumspringa. And the reason why it's important is because... What the Amish consider what? Rumspringa. What the heck? I'm not Amish, DJ. Help me out. You get... Once you're, you're of age, you get one year, you get a certain amount of time where you just freeform, do whatever you want to do. Just get it out of your system because at one point you're going to have to come back 
and now that you got it out of your system, you're dedicated to the sole purpose. Why for okay. Quajin? Is because, once again, folks, you're making up for a debt, but you also have to find out what your purpose is and you're standing in life. So go ahead. Live that life. Kill people. Feed off of them. Live the life you never thought that you were going to live in a wild abandon and just break it out of your system because now we're going to go back to study. Right? It's the it's the one day before going to jail. It's the one day before you join the military where you're like, well, I'm going to go from civilian life into the service. This is that one moment in time that for a year, these these hidden who are in training bleed it out of their system that they are no longer human once they're done with this. So get it out. And why that's going to be important is, as we mentioned in our previous podcast, we don't run on humanity, folks. We work off of dharmas. We have a right. path to follow and we have a mindset to be about that. So it's very important as well for those of you who are going to be creating characters to think about that as like your catalyst point between what I was and what I am going to become and where my path is going to take me. And this is blowing my mind because uh, I, I read this section and was like, oh, I understood it. And I went back and went, wait a second, how did I admit? That's very important. Um, so this is everything that the Sabbat does to bleed humanity, but for a different purpose, where the Sabbat builds them back up to a different way. This seems that we remove you from humanity because you're not human, but then it's to walk away a life that we've spent centuries, eons, building up philosophically and otherwise. Is that about correct? That's what they're preparing you for? That's about right. If the Sabbat probably did this, they'd probably be more successful. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll leave them for their 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 spiritual journeys are a bit darker, I feel. Uh, but this right here is is a very neutral way, but at the same time, discipline. Like, they bleed away. We're not human anymore, uh, but we're still a hen because we're not officially let go. What process do we get from there? Like, now that we went through that, and that journey brings us to it, my humanity's gone. I've learned of it. What occurs? What occurs is no journey is taken alone. Um, up to this point, you had someone who was your mentor. Now this is where we start building your woo. What is your woo? Your woo is your the equivalent of a pack. Not only a sabat pack, but a werewolf pack. There's there's many things that go into it. You grow together. In fact, these people are probably going to be, for lack of a better term, like your life mates. They are going to be the ones that are going to be down with you and you hope survive the centuries, the years with you because you help each other grow one way or another. And you all I have know. a role to it. I know all about the woo in the thirty six chambers. This is uh this is something to know. I am uh I'm definitely part of the woo. Uh card carrying member of the Wu Tang clan. I, I enjoy them very much, and that's what it is. Um however, I only say that because how ironic that it's not dissimilar in what you just said. Right? Lifetime journey, it's a bonding experience, supposed to be that. It reminds me of stuff that I've seen on our website and heard them say that it's uh it's family, you know. Uh at the same time a philosophy. And in here, this Wu philosophy for Kidder of the East is uh, called 100 Corpse Families. That's a bold statement. This book is filled with stuff that makes you go, what the heck? Like, I see 100 Corpse Families, the Wu. I'm thinking I'm now going to have 100 clans they're going to list through here that I could belong to. What are they referring to when they make that statement, though? They're referring to every Wu that exists. You are 100 Corpse Families. A lot of what's being read here, folks, as well, is very allegorical. There's just that many other woos that also do exist in tandem um, alongside you. And it's funny how it puts so much more emphasis on the fact that it makes you aware of every other crew that is walking this earth or this middle kingdom along with you. You're not doing it alone. They're not alone either. You're part of the society. Be aware of it. But wait a second. This There's a woo that's great. How's this different from a sabat pack? What's, I mean, or a coterie or, I don't know, anything, any other group that packs up and kicks rocks and lives existence in a world of darkness. For the most part, Wu members also probably don't replace each other. That's a big thing. Whereas in the Sabat pack, it's like, oh, well, you went down. Let's go ahead and pick up another one. No, it's uh, it's do or die till the very, very, very end. 
it's like, well, it's only you and me, buddy. We're the last ones. Well, I guess, uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. You start playing that violin on Titanic as you know the ship's going down. But you stick to that woo because it's exactly what was there. What also makes it different from a Sabat pack and makes it more like a werewolf pack is your woo all have purposes within the pack itself. They're all given directions. What? I saw that. Like, the, the, like, a direct, like, I choose south. You choose south, you're there to destroy a kindred outpost and reclaim the dragon nest from rotting a Kuland or Henge Yokai. You that, are literally not, the fist of the South at that point. That that really sounds like Bob. I just randomly picked a direction. That sounds like me. All right, so um, all right, so what you just said here, if there's auspices to determine your role in the pack, the direction determines your role in the woo. Are any of them like are, are they that similar? They're not similar to a certain degree. They're not similar in the sense of Actually, it, it's hard to define because every direction gives you where you should be focusing to increase the strength of your own woo. For example, the North, establish your woo's influence somewhere either in the West or just establish the influence in general, but you're also the peacemaker. That's kind of like a combination of philodox, but you're also hmm, like a scout, a scouting philodox. That's a werewolf term. However, you are there to go ahead and be the, the emissary between two woos if there's any beef. The West... You are working with the spirits of the dead to stop them from being able to interact with certain things. But at the same token, um, you are also there to look for lost artifacts. The center, which is an actual direction, folks. It's not just four. You, the center is one spot as well. You solve riddles presented by a visiting Bodhisattva. Maximize one of the understandings of both Hun and Poe. So you are the spiritual. You would be almost the equivalent of a uh, priest in the Sabbat pack to a certain degree. The so East... Go ahead, sir. No, go, go ahead, see your east, but I'm, I'm challenging that center hot garbage. That's pulling the wool over my western eyes. That's <laughs> out of nowhere. North, south, east, west, but what of the center? There ain't no center. Where you stand, we're trying to get somewhere. Like, nope, there's a center. Whatever. And that's when I threw pages, but it's cool. I'm with you. Let's go. It's center. Um, the east is to wrest control uh, from corporate or criminal enterprises from rivals, enslave an influential mortal family, and or use it to the woo's advantage. So this is going to be your influence gainer. This is the person who's going to be, for lack of a better term, what would normally be considered an abbot, except that he's gaining all that influence on behalf of the pack or the woo. And I'm going to add here, folks, yes, I have redhead. I, I'm keeping up with DJ, but I'm also asking, hopefully, questions that you're having in your own head as you hear it. And we're giving a little definition to it. It works better when you hear it that way. You hear maybe a question you had said versus asking us later. But also, I want to point out, notice how these directions blend in with mortal society. They're not separate from, they're taking care of. Like, I like the fact uh, that the vampires of the East are the harvester cast, right? They're able, they, they call them farmers uh, in society, but what they're referring to is keeping the mortals healthy and hale. You know, they're, they're going to be involved with them. They're going to keep them in places that make it to where they're more productive, they're worth, you know, survival rates up. We want to keep them around. They make all this chi, and we eat that. So we're, <laughs> we're going to keep them here. But also, they don't necessarily kill them. When they feed. So that's that's a good thing to do, right? Have something to take care of that. Uh, the influencers, we need them to keep us hidden and to keep it going. And everyone's happy, copacetic. The ignorant aren't necessarily ignorant, but they're rewarded for what they offer us as well. That concept is ingrained in the society, and I enjoy that. You know, I think a lot of people refer to... When a player gets power, power corrupts absolutely. And I think that's what throws people off when they play Kindred of the East. You get to play something powerful, sure, but you have obligation. Obligation is, is to the people who serve you as much as it is for you to lord over them. Right? You have to take care of your servants, um, or, or else you will have none to serve. And then that also speaks of your character and how we should 
accept you when we're another lord. If your home is dirty, messy, your servants are run down, beaten, and terrified, you are a person I do not want to associate with. Any of my personage, most likely. Uh, because you are more than a bit imbalanced in and of yourself, it's clear. And how you comport yourself represents... In other words, we won't necessarily give you a chance to open your mouth and tell us how cool you are and how awesome you are. We will look and we will see long before we ever hear your words. And we know words can be dangerous. They're weapons in this society and culture. So you may never even get a chance to do that. Another thing is, pay attention to the way that this pack is formed, this woo, so to speak. If the North is peace, the South is violence, is your war. If the East is living, your West is death. And then there's the center of it. Now imagine how hard you have to work to keep this going in tandem and how different it is than what you would normally see in a Sabbat pack or in a Camarilla Coterie. Take a moment to pause and think about that. Well, not only is that a good point, I'm just glad to see us Western vampires is pretty cool to have around. I don't know what they would think otherwise. No? All right, I'll take your silence. Well, I'm going to read it, DJ. I don't believe you. What do they say? It says, naturally, kindred have no direction, for they do not hail from anywhere in the real world. Accordingly, they are useless, disruptive devils of little merit and better off destroy. Oh, well, okay. Um, crap. Right? If I, <laughs> I guess we Western vampires are getting the short end of the stick here. And that's what I want to point out. Um, a lot of people wonder why the kindred of these come in and they're, how do they view the Western kindred? Why can't there be peace? Why can't we make councils that coincide and share a space and do whatever because you are beneath them in their eyes the ventru lasar it doesn't matter what clan you are if you are from cain you are hot garbage you're you're literally blinded you're not a spiritual being at all in any capacity to them you are basic you are uh by dint of how they created the games you are something that is only this insepid thing that is just living off the land like a leech and that's all you ever will be. How would you ever know? How would you ever know the struggles of what we have to do? How would you ever know responsibility or accountability for the way things should be? Of course not. I don't anticipate that happening from a dog. Why would I anticipate it from anything else? But like a dog, I'm willing to take you as a pet. I'm willing to allow you to govern your land until I find my dragon nest. And I'll let you be as you are. We'll pay you something until that day when it's time to put you down. Uh, because, well, I no longer have space for you because I need to make way for another loyal woo coming through. And they're vastly more valuable than you are. And now you understand that conflict. It's not us reflecting our opinions. It's exactly what we read out of here of how they view Western vampires. And Western vampires, they're still ignorant to understand the Eastern vamp. They don't know. They have no idea. And every time the Western vampires come over, it's been a bad day for them. Remember, even Zaulat came over here and got himself out of here. Right? Antediluvian, that's why he made it out. But let's just say... He didn't make it out whole. We'll even say spiritually he got jacked. We know he got jacked. Right? We won't get into it, Bali Creator, but we're just simply going to state <laughs> that he had problems coming over here. And, you know, everything hints that he might have been in the Creator of Zemisi Clan too. And he came over here, saw some stuff, didn't work out for him, came back and started talking about God. Everything to tell me he had, like, post-traumatic stress disorder for what happened here. Because he sure didn't stick around. And I like how they bridge it. That's where the suspicion comes from. But then there's a term, DJ, as we roll on, right? And I just want to get this. This may be a point that we're, we're stopping on. I know you mentioned the directions, and we had that. Um, is it pronounced koa? Koa would be it. All right. 
and the co is this whole spiritual journey we're talking about in the first place that that now is that a that's, is it a journey a philosophy or do we choose it that's the part i was unclear on it is a journey it, it is most definitely a journey because until you get that out of your system to be able to find a direction that you belong on to to, to move past the fact that you are no longer human you're forever going to be a trainee probably sweeping off in the background and it's like what about him he ever graduate nah he just my dude never made it out Shame, a real shame. Anyways, as we were saying, back to this form. And that's it, right? And, and I believe when I read that, that said that that could last for like 100 years. It does. There's no, there's no real determination the length of time it can be. It's just that it takes its time. And that's where all the, the directions come from, right? Eventually, because at the end of it, we've picked it based on how we walk that journey. Am I right? That would be correct. All right. Folks, we're going to pause there. Because now that we're, we're done going through our, our beginning basics of what we are, how uh, the society starts seeing us, we fanned out from there, even give a little insight into, you know, what they said to read and kind of movies to see, it's a little more to wet your whistle as we go through to get a better understanding of the Kindred of the East, the game perspective, and we want to reiterate, this is in no way to be an Eastern doctrine to replace what is real in society, it's a work of fiction. And uh, if you felt that maybe we were trying to make it something else, it wasn't. We were not. We're merely pointing out you can lose a lot when you're not specific or explaining context going through. And you may have lost it. I myself have played that role of being like, man, I lost context. What's this? To allow DJ to explain it better, to hammer that home. But enough of that. Uh, DJ, brother, we come back and we start talking about really my favorite thing about Kinder of the East. The Yama Kings? The Yama Kings. We start talking about that. It's the Yama, yummy Yama Yama King. And we're going to get into that stuff and kind of explain the opposition a little bit more of what they got going on. It's dangerous over here in these streets uh, for the kids of the East. Everybody, this has been Deep Dive with 25. I, of course, am Bob. And I'm DJ. And or Chris. (laughs) Whatever you want to call me is fine with me. (laughs) He'll be Chris DJ. Thanks for listening, folks. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.